0: Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Uh, Prevented, blocked, summoned. The apostles split Uh, Barnabas and Mark. They take off. Uh, Paul and Silas, they take off. And Paul is now on his second missionary journey. And it's his third visit to the area. Just want to recap the map quickly there. Uh, Paul is going up there from Antioch, he goes into Cilicia, Derby, Lystra, that's where we sort of paused last week when we looked at the first five verses of chapter 16. Paul meets in that, in, in one of those towns over there, he meets a young man by the name of Timotheus, Timothy, probably a teenager still, probably younger than 20, possibly young guy. And Paul wants to take him further with him on this mission trip. And so he decides to circumcise him. Look, if you're going to go preach with me, and uh, you'll have to go snip, snip. Takes him into the tent and sorts that out. Now, we learned a few lessons over there. The importance of mentorship. It's one of the things that we we saw. Um, We saw the impact that faithful parents and wisdom from the scripture has our parents here those two little humans there need it good wisdom from you and mama bear and grandma yes the word they need the word and good examples and faith that comes through the from the grandparents that would be saw last week then they'll have good heads make good decisions choose good boyfriends one day yes It's better, one of the other things we spoke about, it's better to cut off what hinders the mission than to preserve what strengthens the tradition. Um, And what brought that up is the idea that Paul circumcised Timothy, even when it wasn't really necessary. It wasn't necessary for salvation. It was just necessary for the mission, right? Um, So, uh, old Timothy, he's now ready. He's recovered. He probably had a few days to recover. Hopefully he did. Um, And it's time to go. question is, where do they go now? Do you think that the apostles had it mapped out exactly where they're going to go next? I would like to suggest that maybe they didn't always. Where are they supposed to go? How do they know where to go? Some questions before we uh, look at some things. Has your life panned out the way that you had planned it out? Who says yes? Like your whole life worked out the way you planned it to work. You knew in your old day you're going to live in Oregon be married to this person, be in sweet home. You did? That's incredible. So I take it the rest of us didn't. Like you had a plan? What about you, brother? Did did this work out the way that you thought? Nope. Nope. (laughs) All right. All right. Are you generally aware of what God wants you to do? Are you generally aware? Look, God wants me to do this or, or do that. Or is it sort of vague for you? Thirdly, have you ever been called by God to do something specifically that you felt I must do this? And then fourthly, do you believe God can prod us through dreams and visions? I grew up not at all uh, believing in that. Have you ever had a type a dream where you wondered, I wonder if God's trying to tell me something? They do that? Yes. They've got, they've got special access to heaven. All right. Okay. So, let's see what happens in the text. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. For most of us that read that with me, you're you stuck with the words like Galatia, Phrygia, Asia, Bithynia, Mysia. What on earth is going on here? I mean, Most of the time when we just read this, we would probably be bored right through it, right? Just these towns and, you know, what is going on here? Well, the first thing that's interesting for me is um, as they go through Phrygia and Galatia, They are in what is called Asia. Maybe I must just show you the map there quickly so you can see that. So as they are traveling along like that, they've gone through the area where Paul had preached previously, right? And they move into this Phrygia. That whole area there is Asia. Okay, That's when the text talks about the province of Asia. It's talking about that province. But now they are in that province. And what does the text say happens while they are in that province? They've been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word there. It's a, it's quite a big, it's a long journey from there to there, right? The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching there. Then they get to the, um, somewhere along here, they wanted to cross over into Bithynia, the text says. But what happened in Bithynia? Or when they wanted to go, when they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter into that area. So let me just make a few comments on this. this is the first part. Forbidden to preach in Asia. The Spirit forbids Paul and his companions to preach in a specific area. The Greek word there, forbidden, is called luo, which means to forbid or to prevent. That doesn't make sense to me. The Great Commission is to Go. And now they go, but God says, keep quiet. Doesn't make sense. Why forbid them? And how does he forbid them? We don't know. Maybe divine revelation. Maybe there were no opportunities. Maybe they found nobody that wanted to listen. No synagogue would let them talk. Maybe um, it was that. Um, I've been in situations like that. I remember we lived in a town. I've told you about the town. It's called. uh, They call it Devil's Dorp. And it's... um, the town where those people were murdered by those uh, Christians and they made a documentary about it. Um, I remember I had a friend. We used to go walk up and down the streets because it was dead spiritually. The town is just dead. There's something wrong. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go walk in the streets and talk to people. And so I did that. And there was just nothing. Nobody wanted to talk. There was just nothing going on. Maybe it was like that. Paul is going through Asia. He wants to talk to people. People are not interested. Or he just had no opportunities. Now, I want you to check this out with me as we unpack this. I don't know. Demilde, how good good your eyes? You got good eyes? Can you read those little names over there? <laughs> I'll, read them. I'll read them to you, and then you tell me what you see here. Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Smyrna, Ephesus, Laodiceus, Philadelphia, who can ring a bell where in the Bible those bad boys are? The book of Revelation. That's the seven churches of Asia. Paul is walking through the territory there, and God says, you don't open your mouth about preaching the gospel at all. What does that tell you? Somebody else established those churches. Paul didn't preach there. On the way back, as you can see, he stops over in Ephesus, and there's already elders there. So, I'm pointing this out to say, because I'm trying to ask the question, why does God say, keep quiet when you go through Asia? Well, I've got a few answers to that, but God had already planned for somebody else to do that work there. And we'll talk about that in a moment's time. And Just a statement from me. If there's an opportunity to testify... Not uh, if there's no opportunity to testify, keep quiet. If there's an opportunity to testify, we better not keep quiet. Sometimes, as we go through life, there will be an opportunity to talk about Christ. Then we must do it. Sometimes there is no opportunity. You can't lift up your elbows and bang through the door so you can get an opportunity to testify. Sometimes we're just in situations where it's dead. There is no God wants you to focus on something else. He wants you to direct you somewhere. So, so we need to re- learn to recognize when God tells us to speak and not when we think we should speak. And it's difficult now, relationships with one another to bring it a little bit closer home. You know my, my dear atheist friend that I ride bicycle with, right? Um, the winter is coming up now, so we can't really go cycle a lot. But he phoned me on Thursday and, and we went for a ride. The weather was incredible on Thursday, wasn't it? We went, we went Old Holly Road. What an incredible road to, to cycle. And I've never pushed on him any discussion on a religion, faith, although he knows what I do. He's come here to the church. He visited with me. But for the first time, he launched the conversation on, um, on Thursday. He asked me questions like, what is the soul? What is hell really about? And I've given him answers. And here's this guy he's like 60 years old. He's never in his life heard the answers that I've given to him. You've got to wait for the right time. When the invitation is there to speak, then you speak. But you can't force that door open. Okay. So here they are forbidden to preach in Asia. You're going to hear why I think that happened. But one of the reasons is, it's not like nobody else is going to preach there. Because we see the churches get established there anyways. There are other guys preaching as well. It wasn't God's work for Paul. God had another goal for Paul. Each one of us have a different journey. And we often want to look at the other guy and see what he does and then try to do the same thing. No, we've got different journeys, different gifts, different abilities. We all work towards the same goal, but we've got a different road to walk. The text says then that that he's blocked, so he's forbidden to preach. Can you imagine how annoying it is for Paul? I think he liked talking, maybe like me. Hey, keep quiet, buddy. That must be so annoying. He's muffled. So so he's forbidden to preach in Asia. And then he's like, okay, I want to go north. And he wants to cross the border into Bithynia. But then he's blocked by the Spirit. Blocked. They attempted to go into Bithynia. It's a very interesting Greek word that they use here. um, Perazzo. Which is the word that's generally translated temptation? When the text says in Matthew chapter 4 that um, Jesus was taken into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, it's the same word there, perazzo. James chapter 1 uses the word perazzo as well. When somebody's tempted, no one to say God is tempting. So that's usually what that word is used for. But here it's like they, they were tempted to go into Bithynia. But it can also be translated that they were tested, or that they tried to go, but they couldn't. Like they set their minds on going, but they just couldn't. Or Satan lured them to go there. could mean any of those things. Either they wanted to go, or they were tempted to go, or Satan was sort of pulling them in to go, but Jesus prevented them. He blocked the, the road in front of them. It seems like because that area was Peter's job. Bithynia, remember? Bithynia is the place that um, Jesus now blocks them from. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. We don't know exact which movements, but these books were written to these specific churches, and I think that Peter had a, a, a powerful ministry in that area potentially. And so God is saying, I'm blocking you from here. doesn't mean these people are not going to hear the gospel, but it's not going to be you, and it's not going to be now, and it's possibly going to be somebody else. You don't have to worry about Bithynia, and you don't have to worry about Asia Minor. All you've got to do is go wherever he's going to go now. Um, God doesn't call on us to do what he blocks us from doing. If God wants to use you to do something, he will make it happen. In other words, be content with how God uses you. And this is, I mean, I'm making these statements. I'm really talking to myself. Because I really want to push open doors sometimes. And I really want things to happen my way when I want it to happen. So, interesting that it's, it's potentially there that they are tempted by the devil to go into Bithynia and then they are prevented by Christ. Tempted by Satan, prevented by Christ. We tend to think that when things don't move the same way we anticipated that it is a bad thing. Nope. It seems like God just has better plans than we do. Um, Last week, I suggested that we need to be personally malleable. Remember? Paul became all things into all men in order to win some. If you have to cut yourself in order to be able to connect with the Jews, then do that. Be malleable personally. This week, I'd like to suggest that we need to be destinationally malleable. And I'm glad Dave is not here tonight because he would have hit me through with me with something because I like making up words. So that's a made up word to get the point over. I hope you understand. it. I was hoping it does exist, but it doesn't. Now it exists, but it didn't. We've got to, and I hope you get the point I'm trying to make. Last week, the idea was this. Keep yourself, your personality, your being flexible so you can adapt and connect with people. This, this text for me is illustrating the concept that we've got to be flexible in where we are prepared to go for God. It might not be where we want to go. It might not be where we think we'll go, but we've got to be willing to go there. We've got to be willing to accept blockages and preventions. And end up going in a direction that we didn't think that we would go to. So so what do we have to do? So what do we have? Sorry. So so far, Paul has had a successful ministry wherever he he goes, right? He goes into Lystra. He goes into Derby. There's just success. Not always the same amount of converts. But but now things look a little bit differently. And I think this was a shocker for Paul. He's like, in, in Asia, there is nothing Nothing, no converts, not even preaching. He goes into the place, nothing, no preaching, no converts, no mouth. In Bithynia, he's blocked. He tries to go in, but God doesn't open the door. Um, And Paul is used to doors opening. Oh, well, then um, we'll just go down to Troas. We'll just go down to Troas. It's the end of the road. And on the other side of the, um, let me just go back and show you the map there. Let's go down to Troas. That's sort of the end of the road. And I don't know if Paul was considering maybe there turning around, coming back this way um, and preaching all the way back here. But he's at the end of the road. On the other side of the ocean here is the beginning of Europe. And I don't think that Paul was very... Uh, well, acquainted with those areas, I don't think he had any connections there or any friends there that he really knew. Um, I can't guarantee that, but I, it's a suspicion of mine. So he ends up over there. Let's just go back to where we were now. Um, so he ends up um, in Troas. Let's look at verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man. From Macedonia standing and begging him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul receives some vision at night. When the world gets quiet. We hear God better. When we rest and take it slow, God gets our attention. Paul sees a man from Macedonia. He is begging for help. Help to do what? Well, I suggest to dismantle the kingdom of Satan. Because those areas, that's by the way an area where Alexander the Great came from. That was was an area steeped in Greek mythology and all kinds of Roman gods. And Satan was at work there. This guy's begging for help. I don't think Paul knew this world. I don't think he knew this guy in the dream or the vision. I don't think he had um, contacts there. This was Europe. It was a totally different continent, we could say. Huge. This is a huge moment in the spread of the kingdom of God. And so God called Paul through a stranger in a dream. And two things happen here. First of all, Luke enters the story for the first time. If you read there in verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once. So the scholars say they think that Paul met Luke at Troas. Um, That's the first thing. The second thing is, this is the start of the gospel spreading into Europe. Now, (coughs) we have been wondering why the Spirit blocks and prevents. Right? That's what we saw happen in Asia and at the border of Bithynia. And now I believe we know why. It's just a video again. A blockade in your path is not a dead end. But what we could perhaps call divine channeling. Or funneling. Like you herd a sheep. You put barriers on this side and on that side. To push them in the direction that you want them to go. God prevented Paul from preaching in Asia because he wanted to use him somewhere else. He blocked him from Bithynia because he didn't want him north. He wanted him east. Um, I believe that's, for example, using an everyday example. I believe me and my family, we've been, been channeled here by God. He's channeled us here. He's closed doors and opened doors to get us here in this little beautiful town. (laughs) And I believe, genuinely believe that God does, through His Spirit, give us direction as we live our lives. The closer we are to Him, we have an inkling of what it is that He wants us to do. We can't put our finger on it. And sometimes we try to tell the Holy Spirit how He works. You cannot tell the Holy Spirit how He works. He's like the wind. Jesus says in John chapter 3. He comes and He goes. We don't know where He comes from. He works in ways that we cannot comprehend. And if God wants you in a specific direction, He will make that happen through His Spirit. I am not a person that um, believes in visions and, and dreams and all kinds of funny stuff. But I do believe that the Spirit can use anything in my life to push me in any direction. I'll give you an example that I've shared with you before that um, you might have not heard or, or forgotten about. But in 2018, I think, was the first time I came to visit here. was staying with, with Captain Wes. And I preached a series of lessons. There was 13 lessons. I can't even remember what I preached. I can't even remember what I preached this morning. You know how it goes, right? And the church, I think, put it on Facebook or something. Now, (coughs) um, I went back home and continued whatever I was doing. We were staying in Johannesburg. (coughs) And then I just had a a dream one night of my best friend from school. I, I dreamt about his dad. His dad had made an impact on me while I was at school. You know, and sometimes we go through life and we don't don't realize how other people have made an impact on us. And so somehow this guy, and I believe this about dreams. I don't believe it's some miraculous thing taking place. I think that we dream about our greatest fears and our greatest desires. And I think sometimes we dream about at night what we thought about during the day. Or we dream at night about a conversation that we had during the day. And that prickles something in our mind. Because the mind is so complex, we we can hardly understand it. And so that night I had a dream about this friend of mine, his dad. And within a few days later, I had a message from this friend. As well, from Facebook. So he had seen, I've been in America, and he's seen these lessons, and he went and listened to the lessons. And I coincidentally had to go to Durban for something else, and I decided, well, he messaged me, and... um, Let me go and and just visit him. And so I visited him. And two weeks later, he paid for my airplane ticket to fly back there and to baptize him and his wife. And then about a month or so later, we decided to move there because he asked me to come and help him in ministry. He had just left his secular job to to be in full-time ministry. So we moved to Durban at the same time that we met this church. And we started preaching the gospel in Durban. And in that period of time... Basically, his whole family was taught the gospel. His friends were taught the gospel. Everybody that we knew were taught the gospel, to the point where where there was about 35 or 40 people baptized, and that all started with um, with a, a, a a Facebook post, a a dream. You know, could we say that God uses these things to give us inklings and direction as to where He wants us to be and what He wants us to focus on? Well, it's personal. The Spirit can lead and guide us any way that He wants to. And we can trust Him. Um, so, I know, I know some of you got to yell this guy. you know. I'm not saying tonight that God just randomly, I, that I believe every time you have a dream, that's a message from God. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we've got to be open to the Spirit's work. The Spirit is living and active. If we don't believe that, and we don't believe in the Bible. Um, and I know... Um, I do believe God directs us. In some of the prosperity gospel churches, the concept develops here, uh, and people would probably preach it differently. Um, They would say like this, if God blocks one business opportunity, it means he's trying to channel you into another one. If I was a typical shallow uh, type of uh, gospel, uh, what do you call it, prosperity gospel preacher, that's how I would phrase this lesson. I'd say, look at this. You think you want to go here and then there's a blockage, but God actually wants you there. He wants you to prosper. and He wants you to have a different type of business and make money in a different type of way. Um, that is, That is so not true. Why? Because Paul wasn't trying to establish a business, for example. What was Paul trying to do? Paul was trying to preach the gospel. That's the difference. You can't say, well, God is always directing every step that I take, even though I don't consider His will and His heart and His mission as I live my life. It just doesn't work. And it's a lie that we tell people. You can expect God to direct your steps clearly if your mission is His mission. If you're on the same mission, then you can trust His guidance. Otherwise, it's your emotions and all kinds of other things. We cannot expect of God to always lead us. No matter how we live. Look at this beautiful text in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. And He will make your paths straight. So when does He influence your paths? When you live like you want, do what you want, or when you submit to Him? When you submit to Him, He will block. He will prevent. He will summon. And He will direct. If you submit to him. But don't expect him to direct your life. If you're just living a non-submissive life. And Paul clearly was. So. Final thoughts. God calls and summons. He prevents and blocks. He does that here. And I believe he does it in our lives. It is our job to carefully consider which is which. This will prevent us from pursuing things that are a waste of time and energy. The more our minds are set on the spirit, the more we will be able to discern the direction that we ought to go. The closer we ought to go. I've, I've I, you know, always used these examples. I mean, I was wrestling with something in, in my office um, this week. And you're wondering, wrestling with something. What was it? What type of animal was it? No, I was wrestling in my mind. Okay. There wasn't a human in there either. I was wrestling with some thoughts, and I decided, you know I'm just going to pray about this. Go on my knees, and I prayed to God. And when you become silent, and you become spiritually minded, and you stop trying to figure it out yourself, and you just calmly go to God, I just had an incredible um, calmness that I only felt like two, three hours later. When I, But when I submitted myself, humbled myself, cleared out my mind, put it in God's hands, Died to self, then suddenly it became very clear where I should be, what I should be thinking, and how I should be handling this. So if we want to know clearly what God's direction is in our lives, how to deal with people, how to um, handle a a project for God. um, If we want clarity on that and we've got some things bothering, we just got to become closer to God. Be spiritual and God will direct and he will make it very clear for us. Some final scriptures, Proverbs 69, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. The Lord does that. A person's steps, Proverbs 20, 24, are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Proverbs 10, 23, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own it is not for them to direct their steps we try as we live our lives to direct our steps we try to the best of our ability but if you look carefully at it we cannot accurately determine every step in our in our future life as it, as we think it's going to turn out i would i would i would go as far as to say that there's so much of who we are and what we've experienced and what we've done and what we've accomplished that we actually can't take credit for. God has been watching over us. God has been opening doors for us. God has been guiding us. He has been directing us. And as we make ourselves available to Him, He makes His plan visible to us. And then He guides us as we live our lives. Let's pray.